Podcast by Committee is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And I'll remind you, like I do every week here, it's not just game tickets. They got theater tickets. They got music concert tickets. A little bit of everything, this and that. If you're going to buy tickets, strongly suggest checking out the Game Time app. They support us. We support them. Round and round the world goes. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to Podcast by Committee, Week 15, uh, the, the weeds of the fantasy playoffs, and we brought in, uh, I got like a supercharged expert for the show, my friend and yours, Keith Bullock. What's up, man? I'm in the house, man. Not much. I'll take, um, I'll, I'll take the fact that I might be somewhat of an expert in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did! You did a season of a fantasy show Man, four years ago. We were running through Toronto. Those yeah, days. I, I, I was definitely I was strong. My 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 fantasy knowledge was was strong then. It was like at peak. That's when I was at you know the I would say peak shape of my fantasy career. You know, um, but I, I still am in tune to it because once you spend so much time doing it, even. Um, you know, leagues, if you're in one or none, you still pay attention. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you for coming out of fantasy retirement for the show. It means a lot to everybody. I, I just, I was just saying, man, I'm going to um, come back next year, like full, full steam ahead. So um, make sure uh, we need to work together again next year. Cause um, you know, I think two years off after playing for about six because well, I've been retired 10 years so I didn't play the first two years I didn't even know what fantasy was I just remember going to a sports bar in New York City and before kickoff seeing all these people playing on their phones and I had no clue what was going on <laughs> and then I really no one ever said anything like you well, people I mean shouting? I mean look like it wasn't as big um there was no like um I guess that there was with the yes, people that played in the individual stat leagues where we had to do offense and defense and pick specific players. You know, they would definitely um, come up to me and be like, "Oh, yo, you kill on my fantasy team." You know, I guess I was a big, um, a high rates tackle guy. Um, you know, can you know would get my hands on the ball. You know, I guess I was a stat stuffer for some fantasy leagues for some years there. And um, I definitely um, came across those type fans, but it's evolved. It's, it's definitely evolved since, um, you know, back in the 2000s, early, mid 2000s, late 2000s when I was playing. Uh, it's more fun. Maybe. I think uh, so. The same amount of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, by the way, you know, Keith's got his own podcast. First of all, you can follow him on Twitter at cable 53, um, but the outside game, it's up and running. Five episodes deep now. Smush Parker, Zach Hampel, Albie Manzo. Outside game is is definitely you know 
not the typical podcast that like I would think I'd be doing. I would think I'd be talking about obviously football and all those different things. I actually enjoy um, this podcast with Don Povia, who is uh, my co-host, because we talk about everything um, from football to charities to, you know, um, just current events and pretty much um, everything within sports and outside of sports, hence the outside game. I uh, I also I was at your event in New York City, um, and you had a, like the panels are really cool. It's it's so it's a live event. And there's a podcast, and the event I thought was awesome. Like the the panels you had, especially the one you um you had with Jonathan Casillas, I thought was amazing. And then the one you had with Pac Man Jones was like mind blowing. Like seeing Pac Man Jones like on stage like that, and it's all of it. You can go to theoutsidegame.com uh, to check it out. I strongly suggest anyone listening check out the Pac Man Jones one. It's like 45 minutes of just like when you two just started going back and forth on stuff. And he was talking about how they were with a broken neck and Jerry Jones took care of him. It was crazy. You're like, this is really yeah. great. Yeah, man. Um, you know, when I we thought about the outside game, it all spun, it all spun off of Don Povia and his partners. They did the blogs with balls. Um event series and I was a participant and a panelist in it um, a couple times and I'm like yo this is great because I love the conversations that they had um, you know at that time it was bloggers sports media and an athlete here or there so I was like Don we just need to bring it all together and you know having Pac-Man up there talking about his story you know you get to hear it you know, maybe through different channels that are published, uh, you know, mainstream. But I think the outside game gives the player um, a, more of an opportunity to come out and be genuine and really say, um, you know, what they want, tell their story from their perspective, control their narrative. So with Pac-Man, obviously, he's had his ups and downs and then came back up in the NFL to have a 12, 13-year successful um, career. Um, that was great definitely to have him out there to share his stories, telling about what he would do differently, the things that he did wrong, you know, some of the stories who was in his corner at some of his darkest times, like you alluded to Jerry Jones. And then also um, Jonathan Casillas, who was a former um, football player, linebacker, Super Bowl winner, won a Super Bowl with New England Patriots and the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, it was great for him to share his uh, life after football, how he's gotten into the CBD um, space. And, you know, with that being said, how there's such hypocrisy um, from sports leagues, mainly the NFL, about, um, you know, medical marijuana, CBD use for me medicine reasons. But at the same time, you know, um, as players, we're all suggested and given all these different opioids, which are pretty much um, synthetic, you know, narcotics, so to speak. And yeah. these are doing terrible things for our communities across America. But at the same time, these are what, you know, the experts are prescribing um, professional athletes to take to heal themselves and stuff like that. So I just think that um, like the podcast, uh, the show, obviously, you know, when we have the events, we get more into depth and it's more of a, a personal experience for those that come and, and, you know, participate as well as people that just want to come and hear these great stories and meet these people. Yeah, it was cool, man. It was a cool room. And uh, free drinks, so that. Oh uh, yeah, free thank drinks, you. free yeah, lunch. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're trying to um, get one together for New Orleans um, Bowl Championship Week uh, 
around the first week of January. I mean, we should know more about that um, by the beginning of next week. But I feel that's another great opportunity to take advantage of that atmosphere, especially with now next year being the first time that NCAA is allowing college athletes to be paid. So I think um, we can have a great conversation stemming around that. So that's something Don and I have in the works. You know, it's still um, about a month out, but um, we we think that we're going to make that happen. Nice. Uh, so follow the outside game on Twitter. I assume like Instagram everywhere else too, right? Just yeah, find, Google it. Find it. Outside yeah. game. We're there. Trust me. We're only going to get yeah. better. And yeah, um, hey, hey, I, I was going to say, we give you, um, we give you uh, a, a, a shout just about every show. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thanks, man. You don't have to do that. I know. I like but I'm, to. I'm touched. <laughs> I'm touched. <laughs> um, let me, I want to go off the, the, um, the Casillas panel real quick because for like, you know, this fantasy show, we'll talk a little fantasy, but for a guy like, like Josh Jacobs, who just said he's been playing since like week seven with like a broken shoulder blade. Um, yeah, I, I, whatever's up there in his shoulder. Like, is that, I mean, has he been playing? It's like supposed to be tremendous pain. Uh, and he was inactive last week, but people are saying he's going to come back this week because an MRI was clean. What's, what's that experience like? Like, how is he actually playing um, and not feeling it? And like, what happens this week? Like, is he, are they just giving him a bunch of drugs? He's like, okay, I feel fine. Let's go. Well, yeah, I mean, um, you know, at this time of the year, everybody's hurt. It just depends on, you know, how much your pain threshold is and how big and bad of an injury it is. So, you know, they rested him last week um, versus Tennessee, and you know that probably helped bring some of the swelling down on top of the, um, you know, anti-inflammatories that he was given. But, yeah, I'm sure that if he's going to go out there and, and, and play, I'm sure he had some type of cortisone shot earlier in the week, um, some type of uh, anti strong anti-inflammatory to kind of settle that thing down to get his range of motion back. Um, but at the same time, you know, all those things, they just suppress these injuries. You know, it's later in the year. I think the Raiders – are um out of it but that's just the rookie in him the football player in him that wants to get out there and and give it a go but it, i think the best thing josh jacobs could do is is rest himself he's having a great year and if he's been hurt since week seven playing in these last two three games really isn't going to make a difference for the oakland Razor, raiders as an organization um definitely not for himself as an individual well it's a thing that i kind of found weird with all this like if you're just suppressing the pain you know, like I have a headache, I take Tylenol. It's not curing my headache. It's just kind of like right. making me not realize. Like, isn't that going to like cause him more damage in a way because he's not going to feel it if he's taking these hits? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you go out there and you take a chance, and, and the chance that he's taking is just hoping that he doesn't re-aggravate it. I just remember um, a couple of weeks ago where um, Dalvin Cook, you know, he re-aggravated his shoulder, and he had to come out of the game, and it wasn't even a contact injury. He simply, I think it was on the play that he fumbled, he went to recover the ball uh, or try to go for the recovery, and the way that his elbow was on the ground that pushed it, you know, what I'm saying so there's so many yeah, different yeah. ways that your body can twerk and maneuver that it doesn't have to be a full-on you know contact injury it could be something self-inflicted just by being out there and moving in the wrong direction and not giving your body the proper time to heal like I know you're a nice guy but like when you were when you were playing and you were going against a guy like jo uh, Josh Jacobs 
Would you? So I almost said Brandon Jacobs. Yeah, no. if you're going against Josh Jacobs. Would you like? Would you? I mean, absolutely. Not try and hurt him. Yeah, no, nah, like, I would yeah, try and you, hurt him more. Yeah. He shouldn't be out there. Like, um, you know, and the thing is, you have to report the injury report. So yeah, absolutely. If we know somebody's out there with a, a bad thumb or a bad anything, you know what I mean, we're definitely gonna attack that spot. And you know, if not anything else, make you know that we are aware so you're out there not necessarily just thinking about the game you're thinking about the injury you're thinking about man these guys are going to try and you know hurt me more but I mean look that's the name of the game if I could get the number one quarterback out of there and get the number two I want him you know what I mean in any position I always want the number two the guy because he doesn't get the same amount of practice time as the number one. Oh, speaking of which uh, right in your backyard in Tennessee, man, like the number two Ryan Tannehill has become like a stud. Um, what's it like? What's going on? Like for years, everyone thought like in Miami, he's just like this dude, you know, who's OK, never reaches potential, maybe. And now something's been like totally unlocked in Tennessee. Um, I know you do a lot of stuff with the Titans, the radio show and everything like what what's go- what, what happened? What, what do they do to like set Ryan Tannehill off? Well, I think that, look, like like you said, um, you know, let, let's take it back to the beginning. Ryan Tannehill only played two years of college football at quarterback, at the quarterback position, you know, and then he was drafted in the first round. And, um, you know, he did some he did some things well in Miami. But at the same time, um, I don't think that organization was like 100 percent into their football. They, it just seems like the Dolphins organization just kind of um, has had a has had a tough stint, you know, with all the ownership. I say over the last decade or so, maybe even longer. But um, now coming to Tennessee, I felt it was a great pickup this offseason by John Robinson. You got somebody that has been a starter in the NFL. He's still young. And, you know, here in Tennessee, Marcus Mariota has had a hard time staying on the field a full 16. So worst case scenario, Tannehill gets in there and plays good football. No one really thought that he was going to, you know, take Marcus's position, which I feel Marcus kind of just gave up. <laughs> but, um, now, you know, nobody gives up. I just felt like I felt Marcus, you know, um, deep down inside has more fight. And maybe he just never thought that his position was in jeopardy. But to full circle back to Tannehill, I've been saying all year, man, he's playing with house money. You know, like if uh, yeah. if if you, you don't have to be a starter, you're a backup. You can kind of just sit back, learn the the organization, learn how, you know, um, the offensive coordinator wants the offense run, learn from the good things that Marcus did, learn from the um, the mistakes that Marcus made. And then when your number's called, man, you just go out there and play. Because at the end of the day, look, if you get an opportunity to go play yourself into a new contract, I think that you're going to make the most of it. And he's very familiar with this league. Ronnie Tannehill's been a five-year starter. So, I like I said, he's, he's definitely rejuvenated. He's going out there. He knows how to play football. He's making the right football plays. And he's being a leader uh, to this team. And they just needed a little catalyst. You know, they weren't playing bad football all year. I just feel that, you know, Ryan is coming in um, with all the confidence in the world because he has nothing to lose. And I think that he's doing a great job for for the Titans. Is this kind of like uh, – well, hold on. I wanna, I'm going to go back to the Adam Gase question. But the, the way he's been thrown to, like, A.J. Brown, before we get off the Titans, like, A.J. Brown has been, like, just a awesome rookie wide receiver. 
yeah. you see it like Dwayne Haskins with Terry McLaurin a little bit too. Um, is there like a real like the Tannehill and Brown? Like, what's that rapport like? Is it is there? I Do think, they play a lot together in the preseason? They just click? No, I just think that um, Tannehill recognizes playmakers, and I think. Um, Arthur Smith, the coordinator, is starting to realize his playmaker, like to kind of realize his offense. Okay, you go through Derrick Henry, um, you want some big plays down the field, you go to AJ Brown, and Corey Davis is starting to become um, a factor as well. He does a great job of finding, um, Tenhill does a great job of finding his other receivers, his possession receivers like Tejon Sharp and stuff like that. But Andre, AJ Brown has definitely been the big play guy. And I think he has more big plays in him. The more that they figure out a way to get him the ball, because he has a big run after catch factor that, um, you know, a lot of people on this roster, you don't see. Um, is there like any, any reason we think like there might be a little breakout in these last few games from like a, like a big time breakout from like Corey Davis or like, like Taj Sharp, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill seems to like to find sharp. You know, he doesn't put up like the big numbers, but he's getting he's getting catches. He's getting looks. Um, he definitely was sneaking there for for touchdowns. I, I think that anyone on the Titans roster uh, receiving wise can um, pop up for a big day. I'm just curious to see because you got to think about, you know, these teams to stop Derrick Henry, you're going to put the extra man in the box. So that means it's going to be a lot of one-on-one opportunities or a lot of guys running open and open in zones. So um, especially later in the season where now Derrick Henry is, um, has a little bit of a hamstring situation. So I think that uh, the Titans will start to mix it up a little bit and take it downfield. You saw um, Tannehill just had big passing numbers last week against the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened with Deion Lewis? Remember, I was like last year was supposed to be like Henry and Lewis, like Thunder and Lightning, and uh, that's just Henry now, man. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I think um, I think it needed to be that way because the, they were trying to do, like you said, the Thunder and Lightning thing, and it's like Derrick Henry ne- just was never able to get into a groove. So now, um, and even in the beginning of the year, they were doing that a little bit, and I think um, over this second half of the year, um, since they've been on their little on their um, winning streak. Derrick Henry has um, been the feature offensive weapon, and they've done a great job of complementing um, the pass game off of uh, featuring Derrick Henry with up to about, you know, I would say he averages right now about 18 to 26 uh, carries a game, and he's had 100 yards, I believe, in the last five, six, or seven games. I don't, don't quote me, but, um, you know, I think, that's the key to success later in this season. And with um, them playing Houston, uh, New Orleans, and Houston again, um, it's going to be uh, interesting to see uh, how it all pans out. You sick, you sick of talking about Tennessee probably, right? You want to go somewhere else? I mean, I could talk you about whoever you want to talk week. about. All right, well, <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Adam Gase. You're from around You're from around here in New York. Like, yes, uh, sir. You got to have some kind of Jets feelings more, still one yeah, way or another more more giants but jets you know uh what you got for me i just adam gase i don't get man like I, like i like i thought i think maybe the optics were bad like that first press conference where he was just looking all over the place <laughs> with his eyes yeah dude there's is there a worse way to like come in and like introduce yourself than 
Not like in, immediately people are just like making memes out of you. Not in New York. New York is a tough crowd regardless. You got to be sharp in New York. But um, I don't I don't understand the whole Adam Gase hire. I just, you know, I don't understand a lot of these NFL hires. Um, there's a lot of, you know, buddy buddy stuff. There's a lot of nepotism when it comes to coaching in the NFL. You know what I mean? So like. You know, these owners and GMs, I mean, these owners um, empower these GMs to kind of do the do the right job and do a good job. And when you see hires like Adam Gates and Freddie Kitchens and I mean, there's you could just keep going on and on and on. And I don't know what necessarily makes these um, people qualified. And, you know, the, the product they're putting on the field is is speaking for itself. Greg, Greg Williams is your coordinator, right? For a little bit. Yeah, he was my coordinator my rookie year. Yep. What like? Why didn't the Browns just keep him? Like he was winning with them, right? Was it because they were afraid they're going to lose Freddie Kitchens? You know what? It I, like and he that's, motivated everybody. I thought so too, and I and I don't um, I don't understand why they would give. You know, I, I felt like, look, you you made a strong run last year. Why wouldn't you keep a Greg Williams? He definitely has coaching, head coaching experience. He's won in, you know, he's he's put some very 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 great defenses together. Um, regardless if, um, you know, what you think of him as a person, I think that every coach learns from their first experience. You know what I mean? Um, and look. I remember when that preseason game that the, I believe it was the the, the Jets were playing um, the Browns and, you know, a lot of the guys on the Browns had things to say um, about uh, Greg and I think, uh, you know, obviously Odell. But at the same time, I think that if they were playing for Greg, they would definitely, you know, love the message and, you know, love the type of football and the style of football that he uh, allows his players to play. You uh, you played. You had you had like only two coaches, right? You paid for a decade, and you had it was Jeff Fisher and, and Tom Coughlin. That's the it, Giants, right? Yeah, that's it. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Now I was you gonna say. I was just gonna say. Um, yeah, two different coaches. Um, it's just like night and day, though. <laughs> you had, but like I think with the Giants, Perry Perry Fuel was your uh, your defensive coordinator, right? <laughs> Yeah, excuse that me. One Perry Fuel was my yeah, he was my defensive coordinator and now is the head coach, um interim coach of Carolina. Carolina. Yep. Yeah. How like is that yeah. is he is he gonna be you think he's gonna be the guy? Is he good? Has he got it? Um, you know what? It, I, I don't know. I don't you know, uh he was obviously good as a defensive coordinator, although like that Giants defense um was stacked with uh, you know, Tuck and OC and Cofield and Roll and you know what I'm saying, Grant. Yeah, right. um, yeah, nah, I didn't. I I, I was a non-factor. <laughs> I didn't get a Super Bowl <laughs> ring. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, it, you have to take on a different personality um, when you're a head coach than when you're just a position coach, and then when you go to a coordinator position. Um, so as a head coach, um, uh, Perry Fuel is gonna. Definitely have to take on a different personality than um, when he was an offense coordinator. I mean, defensive coordinator. And look, it very well could be for the better. You know, I, def- I wish him the the best of luck. I wouldn't even know how um, he's gonna do, but I'm sure uh, he's gonna definitely get out there and fight and get his guys to play for him. 
All right. That was 10 years ago, too. Nine yeah, years exactly. Ago. So yeah, right. <laughs> even even in that 10 years, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm sure he's learned so much, um, you know, from playing with Coach Coughlin all those. I mean, uh, coaching for Coach Coughlin for all those years because um, he was with him in Jacksonville as well. And then, you know, being with Coach Rivera and wherever else he's been since uh, that Super Bowl win in with the New York Giants. Nice. Um, I got a Lamar Jackson question for you. And it's really like, how would you defend Lamar Jackson? Because it seems like no one's figured that out yet. And it's it's just like, you, there's enough film on him now. Is he just unstoppable? Or is this something like, like, what would you do from like Monday to Friday to get ready for Lamar Jackson? Well, uh, playing against Lamar Jackson, uh, you hear say it's one of those things. They have that, uh, they have that read option where, you know, he can run, pass, or throw. So you have to make him to make a decision now. So whatever I'm gonna do, defense, whatever I would do defense defensively, I would take um, one of those options away. Obviously, he passes very well, um, and he runs very well. So look, you can't you can't defend all three. So you have to figure out somewhere within your defensive uh, game plan and your defensive um, scheme, how to negate one of those options at any given time um, where he has to make a quick decision. And at the same time, you got to hit him, you know, any opportunity you get to hit him, you got to hit him. He hasn't taken any big hits, Um, you know, just got to put, the helmet on them and take them to the ground hard. You got to make them think, think out there. I think quarterbacks don't play well when they're thinking, when they can just go out there and just do what they know is going to be like when the defense just gives them what they want, they don't have to think. They just know where they're going to go with the ball. And they know that everything is going to be hunky dory. And it seems like that's what it's been like for Lamar Jackson this year. No one has had a game plan. And, you know, I'm not saying mine will work. That's probably why I'm home sitting on the couch on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, I would take my best shot at it, but you know, uh, like you said, all these coordinators, they have all this film and they have, you know, scouting reports. So no one has ever no one has been able to put anything together yet. So kind of makes you wonder, kind of almost like um, I just got to watch Patrick Mahomes when he came to Tennessee to play. And although the Titans beat the Chiefs, that guy is pretty amazing out there on the football field as well. Some of the things that he can do, um, throwing the ball in the pocket, outside of the pocket. You know, it's just great to see talents like that. Yeah, it's kind of – it's fun. Um, it's been a weird year, but it's been fun. I, I looked through all your game logs to see if you ever faced Vic, and you never did. I thought that was kind of crazy. Like, all the games you played, all the games he played, you never faced Michael Vick. Well, we played against each other. I played against him in college um, when he was a freshman at Virginia Tech, and then I played um, – we played him in the preseason – um another time we yeah i played him when i was with the giants also he was a quarterback for the giant i mean for the eagles when i was with the giants so oh right oh yeah Vic. right okay i was just looking at atlanta tennessee i, I totally yeah, forgot about um and we only played um so the the one time we did play them atlanta versus tennessee we went <laughs> we went to tennessee i mean i'm sorry we went to atlanta and um we we're down man who was their quarterback I forget who the maybe it, was, it wasn't Jesse Palmer. It was another. It was Doug. It was uh, I don't know, but um, we ended. He ended up playing for us um, at one point. But we we're down twenty-one nothing, 
and Michael Vick wasn't even playing. And I bet him, I bet him two hundred dollars. We would come back, and we came back and we won. <laughs> really, <laughs> really? Yeah, he had to pay up too. Dang, I can't think of this quarterback's name. It's just, I'm drawing a brain fart. Off Doug air. Johnson. There you go, Doug Johnson. That's my dude. <laughs> yeah, he gave, it was either Doug he Johnson or Doug Peterson. There aren't a lot of Dougs. Nah, it was Doug Johnson. Uh, he came to my. Uh, he came to the Titans. I was like, "Yo, bro, you owe me 200 <laughs> He paid. Me, he paid up. He paid up. <laughs> Let's welcome to the, the welcome yeah. to the team. <laughs> yeah, pretty <Pay> much. <laughs> uh, oh, dude, I had, I had a question, a defensive question for you about the Browns. Um, yeah, not the whole Miles Garrett. I don't care about like the incident, the Miles Garrett whole thing, swinging the helmet. But like the Browns now without Miles Garrett, like I got you get the sense that he's kind of like a leader on on that defense. Maybe you know, kind of like you were like the you. I think you you talked about it before, like being like the the quarterback of the defense, right? Um, when you take him out, like someone first of all who's like that good, and then secondly, just like someone who kind of gets in there and coordinates everything. Like, is this if you're facing the Browns defense now instead of like five weeks ago, is this something you're like? Let's just run it up the middle, man. There's like there's no Miles Garrett here. Let's just push, push, push because they're. It's almost like losing your star quarterback in a way. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely – I feel like you, as an offense, you have more options because anytime there's a defensive player out there that is dominant that you have to take into account for, um, you can't just do what you want. You usually have to use two players to block him. Um, you usually have to do some type of uh, blocking scheme or some t- – blocking scheme that confuses them or even in a pass you might have to when you send the running back out chip him or use two blockers a tight end and a tackle so i think with with that um him being out offenses can kind of call their defense without having to worry about that one stud that we know that um miles garrett to be so it's like start your whoever's against uh the browns like does that hurt the passing game it probably hurts everything defensively for them right um it does but I mean, then it it's all, obvious but it, no one's talking it's about next it. man up you know um you know it's, it's the nfl you know it's next man up this is when someone else gets their opportunity so yeah i'm sure for offenses going against the browns you're not worried about um you know like i say a miles garrett but you definitely have someone else that you have to take into account you know you're just not gonna some guys are just guys but everybody in the nfl on any given Sunday can, I know it's cliche can definitely, you know, make things happen. So I wouldn't overlook anyone. You just don't know if that person that is taking his spot is, um, is who he's supposed to be. It's definitely well, that guy was Miles probably, Garrett know. or they would have drafted him, you know, higher. Right. You know, I always kind of wondered that and like, maybe not so much. Well, I guess maybe like you, you basically never missed a game, but, um, you see like these guys who are like, oh, you know, he's gutting it out like Ben Roethlisberger, like he's gutting it out and he's going to play hurt. And like at what point, if you're the guy behind Roethlisberger, are you like this dude's playing hurt and it's affecting his game and it's actually hurting the team? Like, why won't they just put me in? You know, like I was like an All-American, you know, I, I was, you know, all whatever, all Big East. Um, I'm not around anymore, but whatever. You know what I mean? Like you were a stud in your own right. And then like, like at what point is that like psychologically like, kind of messed up? Like you're like, well, this guy. Stop being this this gutted out awesome dude because I've got some talent too and you know maybe my talent isn't as much as his but he's hurt so that drops that down like forty percent anyway. Is there is there ever a weird factor like that like some kind of maybe grumpiness or 
Anger? Nah, I mean, if your guy is out there and he can go, that's who you want to go. You know, that's who you're paying the big bucks. I mean, Eli was out there and they drafted somebody last, you know, this year. So if your guy is out there and he can go, that's who you want. I wouldn't want, you know, some backup in uh, just because, like, Steve, McHair, Steve McNair was hurt a lot. But uh, he definitely, if he was able to go, Jeff Fisher is suiting him up. But there's nothing like he's hurt so much that he's actually like, you know, he can't plant on his leg kind of thing. And like it's actually hurting the team. It's actually it's, it's a good thing. Coach's decision. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely like coach's decision. Like as players, like I, I want my guy to go. Like, you know, I have more confidence and, um, you know, our, our pro quarterback hurt or not. You know, I definitely have more um, confidence in an uh, injured Ben Roethlisberger than a healthy Mason Rudolph, you know? All right. I was, I was wondering about that. Like, what's it's like to be that guy who's like, come on, dude, dude you know? You well, you know your role. Yeah, you know, you know yeah. your role. You know, that's your role is to back up if that guy is hurt. And, this, you know, as soon as you are like, oh, coach, I can't go. And, you know, they put that Tom Brady in. You drew Bledsoe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. All right. So yeah, um, nah, you go into the you go into the wheels fall off, man. You know. Do you think this is it for Tom Brady, or is this like uh, are they playing possum? Because I, I get the feeling like the Patriots are just so much on a different level than everybody else. Like they're just messing around, and then when the playoffs come, Tom Brady's going to throw for like 300, or is he just like is this it? Is he kind of like worn down and old? Like, who's there out there? They have Edelman, and then they have um, White. And when it comes to these third-down situations, they're taking um, both of those guys out of the equation by double-teaming. And then, you know, what's, what's telling me a lot about the Patriots, they do every week, they do a trick play in order to score. You know, they're not scoring conventionally, conventional offense. Uh, they're doing like some type of flea flicker, some type of double reverse pass just to get points on the board. And, you know, when a team starts doing that, trying to trick you instead of uh, just playing straight up football, that's letting you know that they don't have as much firepower offensively um, because they have to go to those different type trick plays. I never thought of that. I mean, they made. I guess they made the trade for Sanu, and then they just they yeah, he's not Brown mess for a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, Sanu's not obviously not panning out or not being able to, to get up to speed. And um, yeah, the last three four weeks they've done a, a reverse or some type of trick pass to put some points on the board. It's crazy. That I never thought about it. Like that. Um, oh, they're just kind of having fun being the Patriots, not a, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're having fun and it's looking cute now. But, like, think about it. Once you start getting into, you know, playoff football, if they're not able to score um, without doing those type of things, it's going to it's gonna be tough. Because uh, last week they didn't put up many points. And the week before they didn't put up many points. You know, we've known the uh, Patriots to be offensive juggernauts when it comes to scoring points. And they're not um, doing that right now at all. All right, Keith, uh, I guess one last question for you before we let you go. Um, well, on one of your shows on the outside game, you had the uh, the president of the New York team, uh, Janet Dutch, came on and, and just talked about the XFL. Um, man, as, as like a player, let's, like if, if this was like 10 years ago and you're, let's say, you know, you're th what, 32, 33-ish, we, <laughs> we yeah. were 32, 33-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Like, is that like, and I kind of bring it like in baseball right now, like Adam Jones just went to Japan and he's still young and good. You know, like he could still hit 25 home runs and hit like 270. Um, like, do you think the XFL this go round maybe will be attractive enough for a player who's kind of like, you know, maybe I should go there. Maybe if they give me enough money, I'll go there. Or is it just not there yet? Is it still like, like the level of play in the NFL is so much higher and, and better that, you know, not nah, probably not. Yeah, I mean, the level of play is so much higher and so much better. And it's also like, um, like, look, if you go play professionally in Japan, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's a great experience. You see a lot of um, basketball players, they go play in China um, towards there. Well, not a lot. They're starting to do that. Lance Stevenson, I know, is over there now um, playing in China this year. You know, it's a different experience. You're young and and why not get it? But um the XFL, I feel like that's that's going backwards. Um, I'm, I would almost rather go to Canada, you know, first, just because it's a proven product. You know what I'm saying? It's all it's in place. You know, the league is gonna last. You know that. You know, there's structure within that Canadian league that's been, you know, working for for decades. And you've also seen some Canadians uh, go and become great NFL players. So. You know, obviously, you'd be going the other way. You'd be taking the other route. But I think that would be um, more of an experience than maybe so the XFL, because I think a lot of the XFL guys, maybe if there's an opportunity to be a player coach, that would be something cool. But um, a lot of the XFL guys are are guys that are still, you know, have NFL aspirations. So I think they're looking at this as an opportunity to possibly get back in the NFL or get that NFL shot. She was a good guest, though. I'm going to go to some games. Yeah, no. I'm actually kind of excited to go I like to the we got, we got the inaugural We got the inaugural ball, and um, you have to come with us to uh, at least one game. I know we're definitely going to try and get out to that first one, but um, I'm definitely going to go support the uh, – New York, what is it? Hitman? No, that was the old. Was the <laughs> the old Guardians. Movie. No, that was the old <laughs> the one. <Guardians. laughs> I know. <laughs> I, was, I was joking. <laughs> I'm in. And since we know the president, maybe we'll get like some nice box seats or something. Yeah, nah. She said we sit right on the field. They have that infield experience. You know, it sounds cool, but my whole thing is, you know, the Giants and Jets don't even sell out all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think I was looking at tickets because I was telling my wife, like, you know. Maybe we should get season tickets to the Guardians. That'd be kind of fun. Like, I don't can't go to games now because of all the fantasy stuff. But like in February and March, you know, why not? February but they, they, they close York. off the whole they close the top part off. Makes sense. We'll yeah. see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to support, um, though. Me, too, because she just because she was super nice. So anyway, uh, Keith, thank you, man. Uh, means a lot. You can jump on. Follow Keith at KBull53 on Twitter. Check out the outside game. Uh, you know, like we ask you to do with us, go to the, the iTunes page, subscribe, like, give us a nice rating. Go check out the outside game. <laughs> give a little five-star review, too. It's good stuff. It's interesting people, and, and Keith is a really good host, even though you won't just accept it. Thanks for having me, Nando. You're a great host. <laughs> Stop it, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Keith. Everyone go check out the show and check out Keith. It's good stuff.